we were talking about the <coughs> FDA a little bit beforehand. Um, by the way, we have another guest in today. So you guys are going to get a new spin on things. You don't have to listen to Jesse and I beat potatoes again. <laughs> but um, so you'll find out about who our guest is in just a minute here. But um, Jerry was telling us about some interesting things about the FDA beforehand. So you're talking about like. Yeah, like the invention of Viagra. Yeah. How it was invented for um, blood pressure. So it was to lower blood pressure and help with like heart angina, stuff like that. And they realized it actually was giving people <laughs> erections. <laughs> and so they weren't making much money and like, they just want to make as much money as possible. Take so much time and much, like billions of dollars to make a drug. Right. Yeah. So there was a small market of erectile dysfunction for people with like diabetes, circulatory problems, spinal injuries, it was a very small niche community of people with ED and no one really talked about it. They made it a thing of like a psychological symptom, nerves, age. Now take this pill. It'll fix. Like it's not a, like there's no stigma now it's about performance. And even though you, can get an erection now you can get like last longer and everything and that was never even talked about before pfizer created yeah, viagra they created Honestly. an entire disease that people now have created and the get drug diagnosed and then created with the disease but it was like before it was not even a thing it's wow. like it's yeah, it's with uh like a similar thing happened with i think it was new vigil which is like modafinil that sort of adderall style drug and they, I think it was in France or something, they were making it for um, fighter pilots to stay awake. And they needed like, okay, well, that's, it works for them, but that's not going to make us any money. What is a small disease that like no one actually has, but, you know, they did like a study on dogs and like they found out that narcolepsy was a thing because dogs would fall asleep randomly and so they're like well do, do humans have that some humans would like fall asleep easily if they're not doing anything so they created narcolepsy and just like it was a thing but not really a disease people had and then they started diagnosing it you treat it with this it's how like they, they just push these drugs and get it out there and it's not really a need for it maybe like like one in a million people actually have narcolepsy and are falling asleep behind the wheel or something yeah Right. But that drug is just getting pushed and like, just, they just create markets. Yeah. And Great problems. List of symptoms. Yeah. Crazy. It's interesting. Yeah. It's back ass words. <coughs> I like to say. Yeah. That's for sure. Well, it's like in entrepreneurial stuff, like I've always thought like just invent something that creates a problem and then create the solution to that problem. <laughs> And they yeah, actually like do an extra that. step. <laughs> like that's just, yeah. Yeah, a joke I've thought of. Like, oh, how do you create a problem and then solve it? They actually kind of do that. They have enough power that they can create that. diseases that people apparently suffer from. It's wow. It's crazy. So the uh, we'll probably get, I imagine we'll get a little bit more into the FDA a bit later on. But um, do you want to give us a little bit of a background on so? We haven't even mentioned your name yet. So we had Jerry <laughs> on it. the show. Did I? Yeah. It says first name for sure. Yeah. Um, from Stratford, Ontario. 
works in, I'm not going to give you the full spiel because I won't do it justice. He's going to go over it, but um, 3D printing for prosthetics, essentially kind of in a, again, that's very, very um, short form definition, but do you want to give us a, just a little bit of a background about um, kind of like schooling, how you got into this um, and sure. then experiences as like an entrepreneur? Yep. Yeah. So I went to the University of Guelph for biomed engineering. Um, it's kind of like mechanical engineering with some added biology and chemistry um, and like human kinetics sort of stuff. So when I was there, I just, it was like my second year. Um, yeah, second year, I decided to go out to this, like, um, it was like a 3D printing innovation club. So I just went out there. I went to this meeting, turned out they were actually having like elections. So I was like, all right, I'll run. I don't know what I'm <laughs> running for, but I just like put in for a position of like 3D printing director and talked about my experiences and stuff, which I didn't really have any for that, but I knew about it. So then I won because there was not a lot of other competition. <laughs> so I ended up winning that election. Then I was, so that got me into 3D printing. And the first project we worked on was a prosthetic hand for a girl in Guelph. Um, so it took us like six months of like picking out the printer, doing some tests, meeting with her, getting the size. 3D printing, if you've ever done it, especially with like, you know, a machine you can get for like $2,000, there's a lot of like finicky stuff to explore with. There's the temperatures you're printing it at, the bed temperature, the tape you're using, the glue. It's actually kind of difficult to get a nice looking functional print um, out of those machines, especially when you're starting out. So it took about six months and then the school heard about it and it was actually for like a professor's um friend's daughter but then it got back to the school administration and then they shut it down because they didn't want to have like insurance issues which we had promised this girl like a hand <laughs> like yeah, she was born without a hand it. so or she was born with a palm but no fingers okay. and she had a thumb so it was pretty disappointing especially for her as well so um there was like summer company uh in ontario where you get like college or high school student can start a company you get i think it was three thousand to start and then you get like some mentorship so i did that and bought my own printer with the three thousand and then that's why i started taurus so it's called taurus 3d um and my first project was making a hand for her so we did it um, and then basically would make that stuff was free. It, wouldn't, it would probably cost me $25, $50 to make, but we would donate them. And then um, did it Boy and Kitchener as well. And then we would make money through um, there's engineering projects at every university. So I was at Guelph and every year there would be um, they'd have to make prototypes and everything. So I would put in as like, I'd put my quotes in and beat the other 3d printing companies. Yeah. It was like live down the street, you just come and pick it up, pay cash, whatever. Um, so I was making money that way, just printing prototypes. 
and then um, I got into this is where it kind of takes a turn. I um, saw it was Dr. Julie Lynn Wong. She's a doctor in Toronto, runs it's called 3D for MD, 3D printing for medical doctors. Um, and I saw her as an, she was a analyst on our space medicine consultant on Mythbusters. And I was like, out of Toronto, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So I just emailed yeah, her and said, ridiculous. hey, I'll be an intern for free if you want to hire me for this co-op this summer. Because finding co-op in biomed, I mean, there's, especially in Canada, for me to actually get a biomed engineering job, I had to go to Victoria, BC. So there wasn't a lot around. So I was like, okay, well, I'll work for free. And then... NSERC actually retroactively funded me the next year for oh, all the work sweet. I had done. So that was lucky. Um, but what we did is we would 3D print um, splints and stuff for NASA. So we were trying to design um, a splint that would be printed on the space station. So they have a printer there. <laughs> That's a pretty cool, <laughs> it's a pretty cool project. So they have a printer on the space station and it has like their own issues with printing in zero gravity yeah, what the so it helps certain things like let's say you wanted to print like a bridge you can't really you need support material because gravity is going to pull the bridge down it's going to warp down there's not that exact issue in space but it has momentum coming out of the nozzle so there's all their own issues but what we did was did a bunch of testing and prototyping and then we had um we did some work for the CD, like the Canadian uh, CDRC or whatever it is, the Defense Research Council. Um, and they have access to the astronauts' hand sizes through laser scans because they all get scanned for their gloves. So the reason, I don't know if you've ever played volleyball or basketball, it's called mallet finger when this tendon rips off. And you have to wear, it's called a mallet finger splint. You have to wear that for um, like two months straight. And if you take it off, this will collapse again. And then you have to wear it another two months. So showering with it sucks, anything like that. So that's an injury that astronauts will get because there's no floor on the space station. They're just using their hands to move around. So you're Ooh, flying wow. through jamming your finger or whatever you can't you don't have a lot of downtime there's no splints that they send up at all sizes and all that so what we did was we printed a caliper first that would measure your certain points and then you put those measurements into the algorithm and it would spit out a splint that would fit custom and it had like your initials on it a star because you're in space so it's pretty cool logo. <laughs> and then it would fit on custom and with just a little bit of velcro because there's velcro everywhere on the space station so we we're allowed to do that so then when that finished um that actually january i think it was january 17th or something like that 2017 it printed on the space station so it was the first medical device ever printed in space which is pretty sweet that's awesome that's pretty sweet um so then from there i was doing that and doing a bunch of uh assistive devices for people with um like cerebral palsy or ms so woodworking tools for them or um 
exercise devices for them so that they could, you know, hold the bike and stuff like that. So while I was doing that, I was looking for my next co-op at the other year and World Vision was hosting a competition of solving a medical problem or I think it was actually solving any problem, whether it was like medically related or water or food for the developing world and it had to be sustainable. So my idea was give them 3D printers, train them on it, allows them to print prosthetics and assistive devices, but also allows them to, you know, maybe they want to invent something or prototype something or make whatever. They Now it's there in the village. They can use it for whatever. So have it as like a little, there's your little manufacturing <coughs> facility. You can make cheap assistive devices, but you can make anything else you want. So there was like a pitch competition for 25,000 um, plus uh, like all this support from them and everything. Um, so I won that. And then um, the launch of that project was, it was kind of like a pilot project was when I went to India and brought 3D printers and trained them on it. That's the one in... Uh... Amar Siva Sangma. Am I saying that right? Sangam, yeah. Sangman? Sangam. It's S A N G A M, I think. Yeah, Amar Siva Sangam. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's in like a super remote area in the south of India that it was like hell to get to. And the border like seized our printers and stuff. Oh, wow. It was crazy. But um, as soon as we got there, like the person, so we don't really understand how many problems they have. They have nutritional deficiencies plus like a history of inbreeding and stuff like this, plus just a slew of disease that leads to birth defects. So a lot of their stuff is people born without arms, without hands, just to the elbow, legs, um, spinal deformities, a ton of them. But where we went to this village, this whole village is like a gated community of everyone has a disability, but they all do something. So we get there and there's a guy with no arms pushing a girl with no legs in a wheelchair to the meal hall, just like pushing her up the ramp. And then when we get in for dinner, she's feeding him like everyone has a job it was really really crazy to see but the person checking us in because they have to do all these like visas and everything is this lady that has no uh hand so she had just to the wrist and she was kind of like typing and trying to type like that so the first thing we did that night was i gave i measured her really quickly and then um, she didn't know what I was doing really, but I made a, probably took 10 minutes to design and two hours to print and cost like a dollar. Um, it was like a little the, hand that you could type the, the full hand. Yeah. So it was probably the size of like a regular hand and it had two fingers so that she could like hold enter and tab and like type with this what she used to not be able to, she could only type with one hand and kind of hit shift or whatever yeah. with her stump. Um, but now, so we made it, we like, luckily she was wearing 
every photo on her desk was her wearing the same dress. So I guess she had one dress that she wore and it was um, gold and purple and we had those colors. So we printed it to match and she loved it. That's awesome. Um, So like something like that is so quick and easy, but she's a huge help to her and she was like super excited. Um, And it was actually fun. The weirdest, like biggest shock when you're there is the food. So when you eat Indian food here, that's, northern india so that's like curry chicken curry korma lamb korma butter chicken all that stuff down there they're all hindu and they're all it's all vegetarian they basically what they have is a size of your macbook they've got a plate like a tray and then you put two pounds of rice on it and then you squirt some milk on it and like mix it around with your hands and eat it. It's disgusting. (laughs) By the end, like Jaden and I, Jaden's the guy I went with, a videographer. Um, Him and I would just skip breakfast. We just couldn't do it anymore. We'd eat lunch and then skip dinner. It was just terrible. Was that rice meal for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Yeah. So what what it would be is you get like basically imagine a pita bread or like a tortilla wrap and then like gritty milk. And so you soak the bread in the milk and you just eat that. That's to prepare your stomach at breakfast time for lunch. Okay. Cause it's like a little spicy at lunch and then okay. lunch, you get spices, rice and milk or like a chutney or whatever with like chickpeas. And then you mix that around with your hands and eat it. And then dinner is to soothe your stomach from lunch. So it's the same thing as breakfast. Like a pancake you mix around in milk with like coconut or something. It's disgusting. Um, But it actually took us three days, no, probably two days, like three full meals of complaining about how to eat with our hands because it was just i mean dirty. Yeah, that was my next question so <laughs> my i text my mom and she's like why don't hey idiot why don't you just 3d print a spoon <laughs> i was like oh <laughs> definitely something i can do <laughs> so we made like utensils and stuff they thought it was just they were like how do you know the texture of your food's ready before you eat it and then i realized like they don't eat just for fuel like we tend to do they're like they're mixing it around with their hands and trying to make it into like a little snowball of perfect texture and then eat it. Like they want it a certain way. Whereas I just take rice, put some soy sauce on it and eat it. Right. Yeah. Completely different. like ritual there. You have a quick little video of that on your Facebook page, right? Yeah. A 45 second clip. Yeah. There's like a 45 second one and then like a two and a half minute one. Yeah. Cause I, I think I remember seeing the, prosthetic that helped the lady type in yeah one of that one was um a focus of the one the other yeah. one we did was like this guy was uh, a bus sweeper but he had no arm he had so he had one arm and he would sweep the bus like that but he also wanted to ride a bike so we did this 3d printed forearm that would hold on to the broom and then also hold on to a bike when you adjust like adjust the hand angle that was pretty cool and then we did another one which was um Oh, it was like a socket. So instead of trying to, what they would do is they'd like share old prosthetics. So they had like a bucket 
and then they would just whatever fits wear it. So right. people with like people crazy burns and would just be like wearing sockets that don't actually fit, which is a huge risk for soft tissue damage and all that. So we did a 3D scan using our iPhone and then um, converted that into an actual socket for the thigh. Wait, how'd you do the scan with your iPhone? So there's an app you can get that it actually like 3D scan. You just walk. So it was with my iPad and you literally just walk around. So there, it was, uh, it's called 123D Catch. And then they shut down because it's a lot of um, processing. So you'd like take the image and then send them the data. They would process it and send it back. Um, we couldn't really do it there because we wouldn't have internet or anything. So we did, um, it was called a structure scanner, basically a little attachment for your iPod or your uh, iPhone or your iPad. And it's basically like the size of an iPhone goes over your camera and it adds like a laser to it that scans it. Um, and then that made the, so we 3d printed that, that was probably an 16 hour print because it's the size of a thigh but it has to be like pretty dense because it has to be strong and it we didn't realize that there's brownouts every night so the power shuts off and surges and everything so that quit at 12 hours so we got like a destroyed half a thigh when we woke up in the morning so you can't like pause it you can't pause it <laughs> if the power goes out you can't it doesn't know so that was one problem with uh, a regular 3D printer is that it doesn't have like surge protection or, okay. you know, a capacitor that would keep it on while the power was going out and then it would turn because the power would just flicker. Hmm. Um, but what we ended up doing is just printing, making the designs into like small one, two hour prints and just staying up all night, getting up every couple hours, restarting it and then assembling it to something bigger. It made like the last three days, like no sleep, but <laughs> we had to get like a lot of printing done, but it was cool. You, I got something, but do you? Yeah, you go. You go first. <laughs> okay. So I'm, got, I'm, yeah, yeah. My mind's blown right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just trying to wrap my head around actually how a 3D printer works. Um, can you give us like, I don't know, just kind of like your two, three minute <clears throat> spiel for the lay person like us. Like, yeah, so I, cause I mean, when I think of 3d printer, I immediately go to thinking about a printer that I'm using with a computer that's printing bloody paper. So I yeah. imagine like there's, it's not that different. But yeah. So there's a few different types of 3d printers. There's mainly kind of three the versions that you would care about. So, a normal printer is taking paper and depositing ink, not a laser printer, but let's just say a regular old school printer. It's depositing ink um, like in the letter G when it's told to, right? Right. The same thing's happening with a 3D printer. It's just then the bed moves down or the nozzle moves up and it does it again on top of that. And then it Ooh. goes up again and it goes on top of that, creating the three dimension. So an FDM style printer or fuse is called like fuse deposition modeling. Basically what it does is it's a hot glue gun on two axles and it moves it around. It takes hard plastic through the nozzle off of a spool, like a spool of yarn. 
and it melts it coming out. So it's liquid coming out and then it solidifies as it cools. Okay. So imagine you taking a glue gun and drawing a circle on the, on the table and then drawing a circle on top of that, a circle on top of that, a circle on top of that. That's what an FDM cell printer is doing with plastic. There's another style. So that's a style I took to India and that's one of the ones I have. Another one I have is it's, a lot more accurate and reliable, um, but it's not great when it's exposed to light. There's certain factors for both, but it starts out as a be- like a tray of resin. So think of like a bathtub of resin, which is you know just a thick, clear liquid. Um, and then the bed that it prints on is inside that, so it gets dipped down in. And then a laser at the bottom solidifies a little layer of it. And then it mm-hmm. comes up and oxygen touches it and it solidif- it okay. cools it off, solidifies it, goes back in. Another layer from the laser comes back up. So those are the ones that like look like they're rising out of a tr- like a liquid yeah, printed. So those <clears throat> that's uh you can do like really tiny pieces of jewelry with that. Um, flexible stuff, cl- transparent stuff. Whereas, if you wanted something that's like the so right that I was talking about um, to access, like your soas or some strong, durable, water resistant, you can use FDM, which is that hard plastic solidifies. So it gets melted and then solidifies into hard plastic again. I can. Kind of sort of wrap my head around that now. Yeah. Yeah. So have you ever seen a CNC machine where it cuts out of wood, like whatever? Oh, okay. Or a styrofoam cutter or like a laser engraver? It's using the same – it's called G-code. It's using the same instructional form that a 3D printer is using. A 3D printer just has one more axis, and it's the Z-axis, so it goes up or down. It's really blowing my mind how cheap it yeah. was for you to make that prosthetic. Yeah. $1? Oh, yeah, at least, like, maybe less. So, like, <laughs> put it this way. So yeah. there's a spool of plastic that would go on the machine. <clears throat> is probably – it's retailed for, like, $40, but easily $25 spool of plastic. So let's say you have $25 – kilogram and they're in kilograms so that's one kilogram um what that would print so you can get an idea is 250 chess pieces so 25 dollars 250 chess pieces like pretty good deal you're a chess sets not much more than a couple dollars like it's pretty crazy wow and the the reason it's so cheap is Let's say you look at a prosthetic and it's the size of like this water bottle. It's, it looks solid, but inside, if you were to hold it up to a light, there'd be like, it wouldn't be hollow because you need some strength, but it would be 95% hollow. There's also going to be like a, like um, a honeycomb structure inside for strength, but it's so minimal compared to the amount of air that's actually in there. So you select, like if I was printing something strong, I would select like, you know, 
30% fill. Like that's pretty strong, even though it's 70% air. So you save a lot of money oh. compared to like conventional extrusion. On that, <clears throat> excuse me, on that one trip specifically, do you know how many prosthetics you created? Yeah, we did, um, I think we did five. Five. It was like 10 days and we did five. Um, a lot of it wasn't just making it. Um, at the end, so we started with one and then at the end we finished with a few, but the bulk of the trip was training them on how to use it themselves. Oh, so showing cool. them how to design, download pre-made <clears throat> designs, and then servicing the printer and making sure they actually knew what was going on. And then I just left it there. So they still have it. They still have the printer. Yeah, have you heard from them? Like, Yeah, I've heard of? a bit from them. Um, they've made a few things. It's, there is still an education gap with like designing their own stuff, which would be a whole other problem. But it's they can definitely make their own like utensils. Um, the designs they have that I've made, they have now so they can scale them. So if someone else wants like an arm like that, that arm wasn't custom made for him. It was just custom made for his size and you can adjust, you can print it at 1.5 times scale mm -hmm. for a bigger person or less, you know, so they can make those stuff. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's difficult for them to uh, see a problem and then just decide to design it themselves because it's mm -hmm. something so new to them that right. they don't really know how to design on the computer and all that stuff. But they can adjust it and print and stuff. Cool. So soon we should get into uh, – I want to talk a little – like a few more minutes about what you're doing more current. Cause this was like yeah. a year or two ago. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, definitely we also need to leave some time for like the athlete thing mm -hmm. too. I think at the end, people would be really pumped to hear some of the potential for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so right now you are more so, so you'll basically go to an OR room where they're doing surgery and you're right now mostly focused on hip, Yes. Right now I, I work for, um, it's called IntelliJoint Surgical. So it's now my day job is, uh, basically a clinical engineer that goes around and trains, uh, surgeons on how to use a navigation device. Um, so it's for total hip replacement. So that's why I'm always in the U S traveling around. Um, basically it'll be like fly out Sunday, go to a couple hospitals, train them, run a case, um, and then fly back home more. So it's, you're in there during a lot the, of travel like the in the surgery, OR. Though, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, not really 3d printed related. Um, but it is like biomed engineering yeah. sort of style. Um, the one thing that I think you guys would find interesting is, uh, I've mentioned it before. Um, the podcast is just where, 3D printing and other tech like that in the hands of athletes and coaches, but also right now in the hands of like Nike and Adidas, where that can lead for yeah. fitness and CrossFit, running, that sort of stuff. Um, so it's a field called like technology doping. So everyone thinks of like blood doping, 
what steroids? Sorry, what's the name of that uh, South African guy from? A f- um, oh yeah, what's his name? Because everyone knows Pistorius him. Can, or something. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Oscar. Yeah. yeah, Oscar. Oscar yeah, yeah. So he's a good example. Is yeah. At what point? I've been fascinated with this since I started biomed engineering, and that's why I got into it. Is like, at what point does it become beneficial? Yeah to have an artificial limb or an exoskeleton or yeah though that's kind of exoskeleton is kind of obvious and it's like okay well that's not a really big harm but if people are willing to take steroids and you know mess up their chances of having kids and in the future then what are they like if you can run faster with different like with a bionic lower leg or something like that what is some stopping someone from exploring that mm-hmm. um i know it sounds extreme but like but he yeah he was a pretty good example of that though i think wasn't he like wasn't he essentially like on the cusp or past it of like these whatever you want to call them i know they always call them the blade runner yeah, yeah. like they were like debatably advantageous right they the would add a rebound it. exactly more, yeah yeah more than, than calf human. would yeah um so yeah, it's like, and there's uh, recently, and I think it was last year, there was a international swim meet um, where all the records were getting broken, and like not the Olympics or anything, just an international meet. Everyone's breaking records. I think there was sixteen or seventeen records broken, and the difference was people were wearing a new speedo swimsuit. Jesus, that was so tell me more so what happened was is they've all like shark skin and stuff when i swam that was the thing um it would be like shark they call it shark skin and it's uh in the direction like your forward direction would be super super smooth right and so it'd be reducing friction what they do now is they have like hyper reduced friction plus buoyancy so it would actually All reduce drag of your legs because your legs <clears throat> and your lower body would be more buoyant and it would vary your buoyancy over your body to have the perfect aerodynamic or hydrodynamic position when you're swimming. And it would be, it caused everyone to break these records. And so they had to ban it. So now you can't wear it. Oh, they did ban it. Yeah. So they can't wear that at a meet now. Cause it's considered tech doping cause not everyone can afford it. And yeah. I mean, what's the, what are the records for then? If yeah, that's, in, yeah. is it visually obvious to look at that speedo and see the difference between that and it? I don't know. I saw one of it, like one of them you can tell because of the way it looks, but I don't know if they didn't have to design it like to look super cool and all that. If they yeah. just designed it to be black. It's called shark yeah. speedo. No, it's uh, that's an older one. I think it's like LZR or something. Do you know if those records still count? I don't think they do. They they got rid of them. I think so. That's from, like it happened so fast. It seems like look up L's uh, Speedo. Well, they're over three hundred dollars. So if you're breaking a world record, though, you spend I yeah. Know, I, I think the ones that dollars. I think right? yeah, they're full body <clears throat> most of them. I think it's like that one maybe. They look pretty. Like yeah. the LZR Razor. Yeah. Speedo LZR racer body skin. So like I'm I mean to listeners it kind of looks like 
well, if you've ever watched WWE, <laughs> but like next level, clearly. But it could just be a regular swimsuit, like bodysuit. Yeah, you yeah. can't really tell the if difference the design by looking at different. it. I just mean the shape. It's kind of yeah. like WWE onesie style. So there's other ones like the uh, Nike used 3D printing, I think, to design their um, new shoe that they wanted to break the two-hour marathon. Uh um time oh, with that reading about that yeah um Someone... adidas has a 3d printed shoe it's like a honeycomb sole structure to get way more bounce than normal right um so what i was thinking is that's all tech doping but imagine when so crossfit games just allowed nike into the games so you know fraser's gonna be wearing nike shoes now mm-hmm. um which is great because they had a monopoly on it with Reebok and that's not fair at all. But what I find interesting is what happens when 3d printers get to a point, you know, maybe it's in 30 years. That's a long time for this to develop 20 or 30 years where um, like a carbon 3d printer is more available and it's not half a million dollars, but when it gets to the point where they're $50,000 to make end use material products like shoes. Yeah. Would you be like, if you were a company, would you be a, maybe your carbon, which is a really good 3d printing company. Maybe they would sponsor a designer and an athlete to work together to create a custom pair. Cause right now, you're tech doping with that speedo, but everyone can have access to it. It's just money in the way, which it's a big barrier, but all it is is money. So you get a sponsor, you can get that same thing. You can perform the same. There's no advantage, but once designs are singular, so I have a design of a shoe. Nike's not selling it. It's mine. I paid a designer for this specific design. It's going to be really hard to regulate whether, Matt Fraser's design that he is the only one that has a print of that shoe is adding advantage than Jacob Hepner's design that he got from his designer that he paid. Mm -hmm. So it's when you get into like custom one-offs like that, where it's not Nike and Adidas making it, it's some mechanical engineer designer or 3D printing designer that was hired by the athlete. So the first things I thought about, because there's not any literature on this, this is what I was thinking when I was driving here, is like if I were designing a shoe, I would have a little clip on the side that would dig into rope for rope climbs, like little teeth or something. I would have really low friction plate on the back for handstand push-ups. I'd have like a really grippy, spongy toe for like pegboards on glass on plastic so like these different things that you can take off when i don't want the t when i'm not doing rope climbs or not doing handstand push-ups so i don't weigh it down maybe they have like a carbon insert for box jumps so i can bounce up and bounce down yeah so like when you get to this specific i think at a certain point you're gonna have across a game saying okay, only Reebok again. Like, Yeah, that's interesting. You're going to have to close it down and be a monopoly. Like, 
you can't take steroids. You can only take, you know, creatine and caffeine or whatever. Yeah. It's going to be like that for technology. So yeah. it plus training. So not even just in the like competition where they at least can control that. But in training, if, if you have a superior designer working with your coach to make, you know, a simple thing like fat grips, which increase will, you know, work your grip strength more. That's very easy to 3d print. So you can do that. And then does your designer and your coach come up with something that's more brilliant than the next guys? And it trains you better. It's like people don't think because they don't know what's capable with a 3D printer yet. And they're still so new and they're not, they're good for making prototypes. They're not great for making end use products yet. But they're going to get there. They're there. They're just expensive. Like Nike makes end use products with them, Adidas makes end use products with the carbon 3D printer. But once that's not, you know, a million dollars, I wonder what, how it's going to like change sports. Because the same thing could be said for skates and right. basketball shoes and all that. Sort and of so stuff. the idea being is that, like, hypothetically, you could make these exact same products by hand, but it would just take way too long and way much material, way much labor. Is that the idea? And then once you get the 3D printer there, you can make these exact same things, but a fraction of the time. And some you can't make with by hand. So there's okay. structures with 3D printers um, <clears throat> that you can get, but that you can't get with injection molding. So like a honeycomb internal structure, there's no way to um, really okay. make that by hand um, to make things light and strong in certain areas, flexible in other areas. You can change densities. Um, with like voxel printing, you can change the mechanics of certain parts, certain tiny parts of, the product you can embed sensors so you can 3d print things with sensors in them so you know a cool thing for training would be 3d print some shoe soles with a force plate in them so then you don't actually have to be you can like analyze your whole run you can analyze your box jumps your back squat you don't actually have to be in a lab on a force plate there's force plates now in your shoes um all those sort of things of like maybe a force plate is how you can turn the spring off if you're doing box jumps and then turn it back on, change the mechanics of a shoe mid wad to be like at a heel. That's a simple idea, like a retractable heel so that when you're doing wall balls, you have a heel when you're running, you don't. So something like that. This is crazy. Yeah. Like the, the drug doping thing, like there's a limit, like there's a physiological limitation. Like the human body can only go so far. Yeah. But this would transcend that, right? right? So people could still be doping with their drugs, which I'm sure is happening in all sports. And then once they reach the highest capacity of the human body at that point, now we're just going to put this on top right? and it just keeps going. Like there's no end. Yeah. I kind of want to see it. Wait till the Russians get a hold of this. Dude. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> uh, I think it was last week. Some guy snatched uh, 460 pounds. What? Yeah. Uh, apparently clean from a drug standpoint. I mean, that huge guy that yeah. set all the records. Yeah. So you can speculate it's, all you want, but you give that guy like all of this technology, or... like it doesn't make no weightlifter. Okay. Yeah. Like the best, still, the best weightlifter lashers, lashers, world record total too. Yeah. Jeez. But imagine even give that guy, like it's far <laughs> off because 
but like we're pretty bad at predicting yeah we're terrible exponential stuff especially when it comes to like when 3d printing and ai come together i mean imagine because you can kind of 3d print um i think it's called mayan it's out of i think it's a canadian company and they 3d print textiles so like shirts and smart clothing so imagine like knee sleeves or imagine elbow sleeves that are that get stiff overhead so they almost help your arm lock out and then when you don't want like you can disactivate them or whatever like just stuff like that that would yeah. be so <laughs> advanced advantageous and like difficult to detect and like when people can make themselves it's not going to be like nike and adidas and reebok on the floor it'll be like fraser's version of whatever he wants mm -hmm. yeah. and controlling that and like it'd be super hard unless you say only reebok but then what soles are they wearing i don't know what's in their shoe soles right. i don't know what the wrist wraps are it'd be so hard to detect yeah. And by the time you come up with regulations, it's because you're rea reacting to something that's right. happening. So it's going to be so far behind. Right. Oh but it, God, And man. the games is like something at least small enough you can control. You can say, okay, you have to do it wearing nothing but these shorts. Right. And maybe that's the way you go. But I think CrossFit's growing to the point where I see like a, there's a lot of competitions now all the time, but like, I see almost like a circuit where it's like motocross where you, there's competitions every year and how you place in each of them and give to your point, point total for like an Ontario league or whatever. Right. Those are going to be really hard to like that amateur pro-am tour sort of thing is going to be really hard to regulate like what you're wearing. Yeah, that's and, true. That's a good point. Yeah. That's some interesting stuff. It's totally yeah. like a new perspective, obviously. Yeah. Like, Definitely not something I personally have ever thought of. Mm -hmm. No, it's just super. on like a, a super small scale for equipment, like hockey going from wooden sticks to composite sticks. It, it yeah, look what that, that did. Mm -hmm. But then you change all the equipment and change the whole structure of the athlete while they're playing the sport. Uh, it's the oh whole, my, it's like the drive behind 3D printing is to be the idea of it is the democratization of manufacturing. So giving people the ability to manufacture themselves like their own things. So instead of having to have big brands like Nike, Adidas and Reebok making these things for you, if you're wealthy, you can afford the $300 stick and you can't everyone else, maybe the hundred dollar stick or whatever. And you do have an advantage probably from if it's lighter, better flex points, all that. But imagine a point where if you have that money, you can pay the, de uh, the best designer in the world, like a freelance fitness designer, equipment designer, to design your kid the best hockey stick or skates. And you have, they have access to a 3D printer that no one else has access to. or It's just a whole other factor people will just never really think of until it's there. <laughs> Cause that's not like when, you know, what was it? TPS rubbers or whatever came out and then yeah. every kid goes and buys that exactly. stick. Yeah. It's going to be like your kid has their stick yeah. based on all these different data points that this right. designer's collected. And the, yeah, the designer's not going to make that. You're going to have to 
someone's gonna have to steal that design. Like, <laughs> these are G codes that, I mean, the security behind it's gonna be really difficult to control because security in anything digital is pretty hackable. Yeah. But it's, I mean, once that gets better, and I mean, just imagine what a designer would be able to come up with that an athlete wouldn't even think of. And it's almost becomes like a scary scenario is if it becomes like designer versus designer and the athletes, just the pawn wearing the gear. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There'd be like once exoskeletons come in, I think there might even be a market for that. And just almost like a, like a niche market, like um, American Ninja Warrior, something like that, where they're wearing they're just like they're wearing exoskeletons, test monkeys, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like a spectacle. It wouldn't yeah. be what's the human, because that's why sports cool. What's the human ability and what? Which I think the way things are going, we need something like that where we can just literally whatever these people want to do, whether they want to take steroids, whether they want to use exoskeletons, artificial limbs, whatever, to just totally like soup up their ride if you will (laughs) i think we need something like that as like an outlet for all of this all of these resources to go otherwise it's i don't know i don't know if it'll help the actual regulated sports like i don't know if it'll help keep those things out of regulated sports but it'd just be cool to see yeah yeah i want to see it i want to see it really really (laughs) but yeah yeah. it'd be like playing a video game you're designing your character like i want more power i want more speed i want this handed shot like you could just change it you can do whatever yeah. you wanted with that person make them look however you want dress them however you want to perform like you'll know how they're going to perform before they even do it probably yeah. at that mm-hmm. point you'll know exactly sounds incredibly dangerous but still yeah a lot of sports are dangerous yeah totally are. i wonder if this is going to be like a an icarus thing right like that happened so long ago and nobody knew at that at that point in time what was going on? Like, I wonder if there's yeah, little small pockets where like the Russian already, doping thing. Even. Yeah. Are yeah. people already playing around with this? And I mean, it happened with the speedos. So yeah, there's, a, I think a there, bit, people but. are playing around with it right now, though. It is at, you know, speedo Nike, like they're using 3d printing because they have the money, but yeah, it's, it's experimental. They have the money. Um, I mean, to get the 3d printed Adidas shoes are thousand dollars or whatever they were. They're a limited run, that sort of thing, because it is expensive to make. But price is plummeting. Like the three D printer I first bought for probably four thousand five hundred dollars. Better ones are for a thousand now, and that was, you know, a reduction of four hundred percent in three years. Four three years, years. yeah. Wow. So it's pretty crazy how where it can go i don't know yeah. so what's um what's the craziest thing that they're printing right now like aren't they doing organs yeah so how that works is you print like um you would take a scat you print a scaffolding so let's say you wanted to print like an uh let's say an ear um or a liver you could print the scaffolding of that organ which would be out of like it's either a dissolvable material or um, like an inert material that wouldn't react with the body. Um, And then you would print 
kind of like taking a, literally taking a glue gun or a syringe and just coating it in the cells, the cells that you want it to grow into. And then you, I'm not sure how it works. They, they give it some, you know, signaling and stuff, describe it, what they want it to turn into, whether it's the stem cells or the actual organ cells. And then they incubate it for you know, <clears throat> months or a year until it grows. That's insane. So I think there's been a couple of years. They started out like growing the ear on the back of a mouse and all that. And so I think ears have been done. Um, the really, really tough area that's going to limit it is vascularization. So trying to print a vascular tissue is really difficult. You're because the amount of innervation is yeah, you're gonna have to print insane. insane little tubes yeah. like yeah that are gonna become veins like it's really really hard um but yeah there's a lot of research going into that so they can create like a similar structure and shape of mm -hmm. that organ but to make it function yeah as it would on a human being is i think they've they're, the they've gotten some like pretty good breakthroughs for vascularization. Um, but it is really, really hard. I know it's like very experimental right now, but yeah. the fact that it's even an experiment is yeah. fucking yeah. me up. <laughs> yeah. I know. Oh my God. So do you think there will ever be any potential for 3d printing when it comes to the spinal cord in particular? And the, so the reason I asked that is because it seems like, to me, it seems like the spinal cord is kind of in its own category from some of the other, not that the spinal cord is an organ system, but from some of the other organ systems or the other body in that you can't, it can't regenerate. Right. So like other, many other organ systems, we damage them, they can usually regenerate. Someone severs their spinal cord, they're paralyzed for life because the spinal cord can't regenerate. Now, that being said, you might bring this up, but there i've seen something interesting um regarding exoskeletons and the spinal cord but i just want to get i just kind of i want to get your perspective on that to see if you think there's any potential there and like rehabbing people with those injuries healing those injuries yeah i would say 3d printing like nerves the way i mean a lot of people won't know, but you know, like the way a nerve propagates a signal down with like sodium and potassium ions in flux. Yeah, how do you replicate that? You know, the fat casing jumping like signal. Yeah. I think that would be, I don't know if that would be the best way to go because we have to remember the human body wasn't, designed perfectly i don't believe it was designed so i think evolution has created it to be just good enough to survive and pass genes on so it's that's why technology can improve it because we can look at it and think about how would we do this better and then design something better than the spinal cord if all it has to do is propagate information then maybe there's a way to read that information before it gets to that dead end and then bridge the gap right. across the severed part and still instruct the legs to do what they want to do or whatever, something like that. Like, I don't think you'd want to go down the road of printing nervous tissue. Um, yeah. 
I think there'd be a better path of just trying to figure out a better way to propagate that signal. Maybe it's kind of, there's, we're getting pretty good at reading brain waves and like with intent and what are you trying to do? So with AI and like just machine learning, if you're able to take an individual and say, try and walk, try and walk, try and walk. If they're paralyzed, that's going to learn what their signal to walk was. And then maybe every time you hear that when you're wearing a hat, that hat sends a signal to the legs to walk. Like, I think it'll be more wireless like yeah. that. Which that's why I asked you because I, I've seen a presentation on this like first or second year at school. They showcased this. It was an exoskeleton. They showcased it at, it was FIFA world cup. I think it was when it was in Brazil. So this was like their big, big opening spectacle. They designed these exoskeletons for people who were literally like, um, I believe most of them were paraplegic, like no functioning of the legs whatsoever, like zero could not walk. So they designed these exoskeletons to be able to, these people, once they were all hooked up, they could do what you just said, like think about um, walking and then the exoskeleton would walk for them. So like this person who had absolutely zero function of their legs before this whole experiment started was at the start of the FIFA World Cup in his exoskeleton suit, wheeling around, kicking a soccer ball. <laughs> but the most wild part about it was, and this is the part about the presentation that I'll never forget, was because they were using this exoskeleton and because they were... Um, they were creating that signal from their brain to their lower body of run walk, even though it wasn't technically like moving their legs, it was moving the skeleton, but because they were going through that um, neuronal firing pattern, they seen a little bit of a regeneration of the mm. nerves in the spinal cord that were dead, which is like completely fucked up because we always thought this was impossible injury to heal. Like, just you know like once you become once that's severed you're you're screwed there's no coming back so i th it seems like there's like some amazing potential for this technology yeah so i wonder if like if you don't use it you lose it so there was no reason for them once they accepted that they were paralyzed there's no reason for them to continue to tell their legs to walk right um, yeah and then that would, dead end there. would just not regenerate yeah yeah let them wheel around in that exoskeleton for five years and see. Yeah, what and sort I think of that's exactly happens. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I think that's exactly what they're doing now, oh my. which is insane. That's crazy. Yeah. So then take the exoskeleton off, and then all of a sudden these people have a little bit of function in their legs. You imagine the look on that person's face if that. Oh. Like, oh my god. Yeah. Like you see in the videos on Facebook of like people that are colorblind, they put on the glasses and they can see yeah. colors in their expression. Yeah. But somebody it's who had something got it taken away get yeah. it back that's yeah my, that's incredible my girlfriend is a um or i should say fiance is a uh, <laughs> she's a hearing instrument specialist so she said you know putting a hearing uh a hearing aid in someone like and seeing them here for the first time in a while it's like a, it's yeah, that sort of feeling so cool. it's really cool yeah that's wild super cool stuff any other questions? <laughs> yeah, a lot, but <laughs> not much time for it, unfortunately. Yeah.
might have to do this one again. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> probably be some new stuff come out by the next time we do it, like just in the next couple months, probably. Yeah, especially if there's been that many changes in three years, just yeah. in the cost of the technology. And, yeah. I mean, that makes it more accessible to more people. And mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So where can people find you? Um, website yeah taurus 3d on instagram and facebook um website taurus3d.ca nice if you want any 3d printing stuff (laughs) hit me up yeah yeah i'm interested the the videos are really cool they're definitely yeah if people are listening and like having a hard time visualizing what that would look like it's really clear in the in the pictures Mm -hmm. and the videos that you have on your page it is cool yeah yeah and seeing like you said, with the the hearing aids, like seeing the expression on the kids' faces, same thing with those videos. Like, yeah, it's cool when you see the people's reactions because yeah. it's people getting a new limb, like especially these people nuts. who have not even really ever seen a laptop, let alone yeah, that's insane. It's crazy. All right. Well, thanks a lot for joining us. That was good no stuff. That was crazy. I'm gonna yeah. take. I'm going to need a few minutes, a few days yeah. to digest all that. I don't awesome. usually listen to these, but I'll probably listen to this one because, well, I'd like yeah. to listen to that. Yeah, the more you understand, the more questions come up because a lot of people just don't think about it because it yeah. seems so just far Just a different off. way of thinking. Totally. But like, just imagine if restaurants were the only way you got food, but then someone designed a stove and then you could make your own food. And it doesn't. And right now it doesn't seem that weird that we make our own food, but imagine making your own shoes. And then mm-hmm. yeah, technology added to that, it can change the performance too. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Um, if you guys have any questions like about this episode in particular, us or Jerry, just feel free to shoot us a message and you have all his contact info. We'll post it in the bio as well. Um, but otherwise, you know where to reach us. So cheers.